Blog Talk Radio. And fall and 
and shrinking every day. I mean, the, the working class and the middle class and upper middle class and whatever. But, I mean, can you imagine that? Uh, That's why the corporation... Yeah, 400 million people are living better or as well as the, as the only maybe 100 million people in this country. Right, That's right. why the corporations don't give a shit about minimum wage here or anything yeah, else. Right. Because they look at that big market of China, we don't amount to anything. Sure. They just don't care. Okay. And as long as they can keep our their wages depressed here yeah. and pay people as little they're as possible, they're going to make a huge profit and they're selling to the Chinese. Right. And if we don't like it, what do they do? They, put, they start up an operation in... in uh,
This is a new bit investment creates good, safe jobs in Oregon. The groundbreaking ceremony for a new 43.2 million multifamily project in Portland, Oregon, financed by the AFL-CIO Building Inven- Investment Trust, or BIT, that will create hundreds of construction, service, and maintenance jobs performed by highly trained union workers, also served as a Workers' Memorial Day Remembrance Monday. The dozens of workers, elected officials, community leaders at the site of the new Lloyd District Commons project honored workers who have suffered and died on the job and called for renewal efforts for safe workplaces. Tom Chamberlain, president of the Oregon AFL-CIO, said, as we watch Oregon's count of lives lost on the job stay pretty consistent each year, I have to believe there's more we can do. We know that safe jobs save lives, and we know that strong training leads to safe jobs. The bid operates as one of the most comprehensive labor policies in the real estate industry to ensure that investments generate good union jobs in construction and related industries. Since inception, the BIT labor policies have enabled the trust to generate an estimated 54 million hours of construction work, as well as thousands of permanent jobs in the service, maintenance, and operations of properties owned by BIT. The Oregon State Building and Construction Trade Council said it's very encouraging to see union pension dollars in Portland put to work to create hundreds of new jobs in our community. This property will consist of a six-story mid-rise structure containing 186 rental apartments and 190 parking spaces. Construction is expected to be completed in July 2015. BIT has 10 projects currently in development across the country. Total development cost for these projects is about $1.1 billion and they are expected to create some 5,500 union jobs throughout the course of construction. So that's good. The union is generating jobs for itself. That's always a good thing. Yeah. Well, I was going to say it's just until the end of the show, but, you know, if anybody's thinking of voting for Rand Paul, all right, uh, just note that he's just, he wants to cut Palestinians, uh, cut the aid to Palestinians unless they recognize Israel as a Jewish state. All right? And what the hell? It's just unbelievable. All right? That this guy, you know, I mean, his father must be, uh, must be uh, serious. Oh God! You know, this, this guy is such, well, he's a, so he's such a hypocrite. I mean, he's such a freaking hypocrite. I knew he always was. Uh, you yeah. know. Yeah, he's come back with a few jabs, but that that's easy against Obama. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, is he sold out his old man, all right? He wouldn't even, he, he backed Romney and the Republican Party, which are a bunch of crooks and thieves, all right? And, uh, you know, he wants to be president. And, uh, I don't even think his father would support his ass. I hope he wouldn't. I hope he wouldn't. And, uh, or else he's a fraud, again. too. I, I'm questioning that, that his old man might be a fraud, too, you know? Uh, you know? Ron Paul, you know, left a lot of people high and dry toward the end of that last last election. Uh-huh. You know, and uh, all his promises were a crock of crap, right? And um, so uh, Ron, Ron Paul was, uh, 
a no-namer now, and uh, Rand Paul is taking his place. He's but an idiot. He's as big an idiot, bigger, much bigger idiot than his grandfather or his father ever was. But um, I have no faith in this. After he's out there touching the stone wall and uh, the wailing wall, you know, and then and and, and you know threatening the Palestinians. Uh, yeah, know, nice guy. Uh, you know, and. And backing Israel as a Jewish state. That means only Jews can live there. All right? <laughs> I mean, what the hell? It's just, it's, oh God. I, I just get, uh, I just can't stand what's going on. So keep, keep going. Uh, you know, okay. The, se- the Senate poised to vote on the minimum wage hike. And here's some news from um, the President of the Union. See what he has to say on that. Why it matters. Not loud enough. Sorry, folks. I gotta make this louder. Uh, I have to do is go there. Use this other. Uh, We're gonna. uh, I'll tell you what. While we try to figure this thing out, uh, let us go to a quick music break, and we'll be right back. Americans. 
or this summer, flock organizers and members will reach out to the estimated 5,000 North Carolina farm workers in the tobacco industry to help them gain a voice on the job. The Respect, Recognition, and Raise uh, campaign will be highlight will be highlight of farm worker demands for dignified working conditions and adequate housing, recognition of the right to join a union and negotiate with their employer for fair terms and over raising raising of wages. wages to an equal and fair wage for all workers. In late July, two of the 41 members of the British Parliament who have supported the fight for farm worker justice will join Representative Marcy Capture, Democrat, Ohio, and flock leaders in a tour of the tobacco labor camps. Oh, boy. And you can, if you go to the AFL-CIO blog, you can sign a petition that urges uh, Reynolds to guarantee the human right to freedom of association right, and, and worker representation on its contract farms by signing an agreement with Flock. Don't count on it, folks. I mean, you got to really... Yeah, that's the International Union of Food Workers, IUF, okay, is uh, where the uh, petition is. And, um, you know, support these poor guys. Okay, if you go down a little bit, go down because oh, go back and then go down because there's another audio that I want you to play. Um, keep going down. Keep going. Go down. Hang on a second. Because this is something. First annual DC Labor Fest. No, that's that. Labor Art. No, right here. This also is. It's a little audio piece of what how why people who are getting paid minimum wage, why they can't, why they need a raise. So let's listen to what they have to say. Because should they buy gas, should they pay their bills, buy groceries, listen to minimum wage workers explain why they can't survive on seven twenty five an hour. This is just a new retail worker. Let's talk about minimum wage. On the current wages that I actually make, I have to make choices from putting food in my refrigerator and how I'm actually getting to work. Paying people the right wage is great business for them. You know, it's what we call enlightened hospitality. It begins with taking care of the team. We should raise the minimum wage because it's the right thing to do. I want my employees to be able to buy a cup of coffee at my shop or maybe even another coffee shop. And if they can't do that, then I don't feel that I'm actually doing a good job as a business owner. Let's be realistic here. 725 is nothing. No, pues si con el dinero que gano, pues tomo alguna decisión de que una quincena compro comida, entonces en la otra quincena tengo que comprarle lo que necesita mi niño. Half my money goes to rent. And I'm diabetic, so the next big chunk of my money goes to medicine. And then there's food and transportation. Um, and that I have nothing left. That's it. It's incredibly hard. Um, I live with my parents right now because otherwise my son and I would be homeless. I, I work hard every day to try to make ends meet, but I never get ahead. At the end of the week, I have to decide. Do I buy groceries? Do I pay my bills? Do I buy gas? And I feel like I'm not really getting anywhere in life. You know, I'm, I'm stuck right here. I'm stuck. What we know from prior times where we raised the minimum wage is the economy grew. Things expanded. Raising the minimum wage is good for business because more people have more money to spend in local businesses. To raise the minimum wage in this country means everyone having 
something for themselves, everyone being able to provide for themselves and not struggle from day to day, week to week, month to month. DOL.gov slash min wage. Let's see what else they have to say on that. Nope, that was about it. So I think it's an important thing. You heard the voices of people that are paid minimum wage. Mm. Support that. Hey, yeah. Well, anyway, the first annual D.C. Labor Fest kicks off on May 1st with a May Day uh, wreath laying in honor of legendary labor organizer uh, Mary Harris, Mother Jones, 184th birthday. Yeah, that magazine was named after her. Yeah, Labor. Labor. Organizer. Mother Jones. So, anyway, uh, the month-long Labor Cultural Film and Arts Festival includes the 14th Annual D.C. Labor Film Fest an art exhibit, exhibition on organizer, painter Ralph uh, Fasanella at the, uh, Fasanella actually, at the um, Smithsonian American Art Museum and the AFL-CIO labor-themed plays How and Living Out. Uh, local organizer, singer uh, Joe Uline's uh, birthday tribute to Pete Seeger. <laughs> and AFL-CIO book club. Um, including a May 2nd appearance of Elizabeth Warren. Oh, this, this should be an interesting week. Uh, senior U.S. Senators from, from Massachusetts will discuss uh, her new memoir, a two-part uh, screening of Mexican Revolution and the 30, 1936 Mexican film masterpiece reads, um, accompanied by Silvestri Revoltas, scorching symphonic score performed Live by the Postal Classical Ensemble, Post Classical Ensemble, uh, members of the American Federation of Musicians, a labor poetry event at Busboys and Poets, and local uh, labor history tours. A collection of classic labor film posters are also on display. The FLCIO headquarters and the Amalgamated Banks Washington D.C. branch. Some three dozen events are planned. That's really big, you know. That's really. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a lot of fun. Hawaii uh, joined Maryland and Connecticut at setting their wage at $10.10 an hour. Really? Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. Um, let's see. What a higher minimum wage would mean for me, Detroit Free Press. If I worked as a tip server for 15 years, not counting tips, I'd still make only $2.65 an hour. Wow. Federal minimum wage hike approaches likely Senate rejection. We know it was rejected. Um, tracking used to be a ticket to the middle class. Trucking used, pardon me. Trucking used to be a ticket to the middle class. Now it's just another low-wage job. Frostbite, falling freight, and lifts on fire. America's worst Walmart warehouse fire revealed. <coughs> Salon workers at an Indiana Walmart Walhouse warehouse alleged they were subjected to safety risks, including falling freight, forklifts on fire, and frostbite, and they illegally fired for organizing in response. 
Patriot Ledger. Um, Michael McDaniel was just doing his job at the Public Works Forum, trying to fix a water main break when he was struck and killed by a backhoe in February. That's not so good. Workers Memorial Memorial Day, Latinos face high risk of dying on the job. As a nation observes Workers Memorial Day on Monday to remember those who have died or have been injured on the job, some are pointing out that Latinos in the United States face a higher risk of suffering fatal workplace injuries compared to U.S. workers as a whole. There's an anti-deportation protesters to demonstrate in front of the White House on May Day. A host of labor, faith, and civil rights groups are planning protests in front of the White House against the deportation of undocumented immigrants on May 1st, when many countries celebrate uh, Labor Day, actually, on that day. So, You're, um, I mean, we, ever since this story broke last week, I've been uh, kind of following it uh, off and on to see what, what happened, because... Uh, this is about the uh, Buffalo Jills and the. the uh, well, that was pretty awful. Yeah, you know what happened to them was the uh, this is a cheerleading group. They were so badly paid for uh, uh, Buffalo Bills, and uh, it, it was a hard one to understand why these girls would work so hard for so little. You know. I think they were hoping to I become mean, famous or something. something. You know, but God says in our regular weekly feature, we'll be talking, taking a book. Oh, We'll be taking a look at the winners and losers of the week in the struggle for the rights of working families. The winners will be the people of organizations that go above and beyond to expand and protect the rights of working families. Or the losers will be the, the whoever went above and beyond to, to limit or deny those rights. Winners, uh, Stephen Mittens and AFSCME members uh, who go to work every day to make sure our children are safe. And then runners up as former Buffalo Bills cheerleaders for standing up for their right to be paid far uh, to be paid fair compensation and work in the environment that doesn't include being humiliated and degraded. Loser, U.S. Postmaster General Patrick Donahoe, in his uh, con yeah. continuing efforts to push for the privatization of the postal service is not exactly being honest about his deal with Staples to have the retailers, non-government, non-union employees handle the mail. I'm so mad at that. Oh, it's such a traitorous act. Yeah. Runner-up, runner yeah. Judge Glenn T. Harrell, Jr., as popular as the TV show House of Cards is, it shouldn't be used in legal decisions to strip police officers of their retirement and health care benefits. That's referring to. Uh, I mean, but uh, uh, so House of Cards must be the Detroit thing, right? You think so? So, or or it's a TV uh, show. Yeah, some kind of TV makes people scared of public uh, death, you know. Mm -hmm. So anyway, let's um, not go. Probably back. financed by the Koch brothers. Oh, sure, oh, sure. You know, you, you got. Whose mission is to destroy unions and the middle class? Yep. And pension and every other. Yeah. It's all right for them to be trillionaires, but yeah, it's all right for them to be well paid. Nobody can get their uh, can get deserves a pension there. Who deserves to eat? You know, except them. It's unbelievable. Totally, totally, totally gone. Believe well, 
Well, it seems you won't have to worry about an immigration here if the wages keep going down as fast as they're going. Uh, then no immigrants are going to want to come here. Hmm. Uh, that's kind of weird. Painters and Allied Trades Veterans Program. Painters and Allied Trades. Veterans, veterans Program, program. is a world-class training group program for America's best and brightest. But, um, Trained for painting and LA. Yeah, the way it says is weird. Um, this is a little video on, on what's happening. Uh, they have an opportunity to be uh, trained. That's the pet Members of painters and allied trades representatives of the Finishing Contractors Association, international, local political leaders, and U.S. Army leaders gathered for the graduation of five military members from their new Painters and Allied Trades Veterans Program. Uh, that was good. I know. And uh, the Federal Reserve is continues to voice concerns about full employment. Okay, they're not going to have full. We are so far from full employment. So the following the lead of the Federal Reserve Chair Janet Yellen last week, Federal Reserve Board member Daniel Tarulio uh, uh, continued the discussion that the board considers the labor market to still be weak and as a result is waiting to see actual evidence of wage increases and inflationary pressures from um, prematurely uh, drying, trying to slow the economy. Okay, speaking of the Human, the Hyman Minsky Conference on Financial Stability of the Levi Institute, uh, Tarulo says, in the face of some uncertainty as to how best to measure slack, we are well advised to proceed pragmatically. We should remain attentive to evidence that labor markets have actually tightened to the point that there is demonstrable uh, inflationary pressure that would that would place at risk maintenance of the Federal Open Market Committee. Imagine people talk like this and know what the hell they're talking about. This doesn't but, make any but sense. But one, of course, we are currently not meeting on the downside. This is okay. prudent because you know, they don't even bother I bother them about it. Because I'm rather just saying that, they, that even the Federal Reserve is saying the economy sucks. Okay, that's so, right. And jobs aren't there. I'd like to go to postal workers' privatization at staple stores and play the little audio that goes with that okay. because I want to remind people about the postal workers. Yeah. They seem to be get forgotten all the time. Yeah, we we talked about this a couple of weeks back when they, when, when they started to uh, strike at the uh, not strike but to demonstrate in front of the uh, um, postal not the post uh, in front of Staples. Yeah. Right? Uh, let's see. And for those of you who may or may not know, um, Staples is responsible, uh, was uh, created by a huge, gigantic loan in partnership with uh, Bain Capital, which was Romney's company. That's right. So... Uh, We're not so thrilled with Staples. Not, not so thrilled with Staples or Mr. Romney. Okay. Now, this is uh, created by Tom. Tom uh, also represents the local community of Postal Workers United. And what's the, what's the purpose of today's demonstration? We're front of, in front of the Staples office superstore on York Road in Baltimore. Well, Staples has a pilot program. They're uh, 
have right now about 82 post offices and staple stores down in Southern California, Massachusetts, Pittsburgh, and in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. If the follow-up program is successful, if it works after Staples, we're going to expand it to all 1,600 stores. And, of course, that opens the door to having post office at Walmart, um, you know, McDonald's, whatever. And that would put, basically put the postal service, the post offices, out of business. And the word for that is privatization. Absolutely. That's exactly it? what it is, privatization. I think it goes back to Reagan and these other guys. They want to try to privatize, you know, your, your prison, your school. Your fire department, your police department, they want all that privatized. It's all for profit. And is it good for the middle class? Is it good for union workers? Now, what we're saying is decrease in service and increase in cost. And, of course, if they privatize public service sectors, that is our taxpayer money making somebody else with a profit off of it. And who is doing this? Who is the U.S. Postal Service? Who is that? Is it a corporation of some kind? Well, in uh, 1971, it had a Postal Reform Act. It's a separate entity of the post of the federal government. Um, at that time, taxpayer money no longer, from that point on, no no longer pays for the postal service. It's all supported by revenue from income from from sales on on shipping and letters and stamps. And what can people do if they support you? If people in the middle class say, "What's going on here? We don't want this." What can they do, Tom? Well, contact your congressman, uh, Mikulski here. Thanks, uh, Martin. John Delaney, you know, contact Congress. Tell them you don't want this because it's going to, like I said, it's going to decrease service and increase the cost. Right now, we're about a third the cost of what it costs to ship something by UPS. We're about half the cost on the average of FedEx. Without the competition from the post office keeping those prices down, basically UPS and FedEx and the other companies will have a monopoly on this and the prices are going to go sky high. And, you know, in Canada, we've already seen a, the le- mail letter in Canada now is a dollar. They just recently had a, over a 30% increase in the cost of stamps. Overseas, almost the entire European um, postal system has been privatized. And we've seen a big decrease in service. Uh, for instance, the Netherlands and New Zealand, they only deliver every other day, three days a week. So that's what's going to happen if the corporations take this over. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's always precedent for it. We've seen what happened overseas. Well, I, I know the people in Chicago, they let their meter servers go over to, you know, the parking meters went over to a private company, and the meter rate went way, way, way up, over the top. Same place where they privatized water systems. We've seen, uh, like in Texas, the public water was privatized, and rates went three times what they were before before it was privatized. Because you put this profit and motive into it, they decrease service because they try to skimp and save as much as they can, and and you know all the profits go back into the business, into the stockholders, and into the people that own the company. Anything else, Tom? I think I said enough. I think there, there are, you said there are rallies all around the country. Today. There are uh, more than 57 rallies at the last count across the country, all the major cities across the country. And this is being sponsored not just by the American Postal Workers Union, by the letter carriers, by the mail handlers, and by the rural carriers, all four unions. And, of course, you know, I represent Community and Postal Workers United by the communities across the country. You know, you're part of the community, Cindy Walsh over here is part of the community. You know, the post office belongs to the American people. It's their birthright as a citizen of the United States. I think it goes back to Ben Franklin. Even before, Actually, even before, before the country, there was before America. Before 1776, before it was even the United States, before the colonies joined together to fight against the British, there was a postal service. That's fantastic. Let, let's, let's see what happens on this time. It's going to be a tough fight. Well, we're not going to give up. 
we're not going to go home. We're here for four hours today. It's symbolic that we're going to stay in fight however long it takes to win this. Okay, thank you, Tom. Your name, sir? Courtney Jenkins. And Courtney, where are you from? I'm from Baltimore, Maryland. And what union do you belong to? I represent the Baltimore Local 181 of the American Postal Workers Union. And why are you here today at the Staples store? We're here to let Staples know that we do not agree with them offering postal services in their schools without staffing those counters with the union members. And what will happen if that happens? What do you, what do you think is going to happen to, to the union members? Well, it'll undermine the union's power as far as with the CBA, and, you know, union members will just suffer all in general because they'll see it as, though, as an attack on their wages, an attack on their livelihood. It's, uh, it's undermining what we've bargained so hard to gain over the past 30 or 40 years. And will these workers at Staples be trained? Will they have their allegiance to, to the, to no, the services as you guys do? No, sir. We're sworn to take an oath to protect the sanctity of the mail, which is not required by these Staples employees who are offering these services as a right now. I would suppose there's going to be concern by the taxpayers about their privacy, yes. their identification and all that being turned over to a private corporation and to untrained workers. Yes, sir. The mail won't be secure until it reaches postal, postal services' hands. So while the mail is at Staples being collected or, you know, retail at the retail centers, the sanctity of the mail will not be protected until a postal truck or postal mail carrier comes and picks up this mail. Now, Courtney, some people are also wondering, Staples just announced it's going to close hundreds of stores. So, you know, does this make any sense? No, sir. They had the power to close stores, and if these retail centers are inside the stores, they go along with the stores that are closing. There has to be approval to close any post office in the country. And, you know, this could affect small rural areas who depend on their post service as a community center. But, you know, they could close this state tomorrow, and if the retail center's in it, people will have to find another place to go to to, you know, use the post office and their services. Anything else, Courtney? Well, we just, I hope we hope the public gets behind us and they, they see that what's going on here, the UPS and Staples on a sweetheart deal. They haven't given us all the information, all the specifics, so they're trying to hide something, but we're out here to let them know that the U.S. mail is not for sale. Thank you so much. Thank you. How are you doing? And, so uh, good. I'm glad the U.S. mail is not for sale. Yeah, me too. Uh, the work is still going to be. Oh, I think so. I think it's horrible. Really yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So. Yeah. I get, uh, I get weird on this stuff. It, it just makes me so angry that I I don't understand why people are, have to be so damn greedy. You know? Yeah. I mean, they can't give anything to, to their fellow man, nope. even if he's working for him. I mean, you know, you always nope. got to cut somebody up and say, hey, they need uh, $10 an hour. Minimum wage is $15 an hour, you know. Oh, I can't afford it. And then they knock some guy down to, you know, uh, substandard wages. So it's like, you know, they, 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 why? You know, just pay the person a fair wage for a kind of lot. And uh, why deny them that? Huh? I know it. I know it. I agree. And, you know, it's really, it's really hard for me to understand the uh, mechanization of, of 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 these of these people when they think. Yeah. They had a big um, 
speaking about why don't people understand? Oh, I was going to read something. Never mind. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, let's see. Oh, no. U.S. <laughs> What's that? I don't know. Oh. In the U.S., uh, the New York Times was caught taking Russian forces in Ukraine. The State Department and... Who, read, who wrote this? It doesn't say. The State Department and the New York Times caught red-handed with fake evidence of Russian aggression in eastern Ukraine. But the story is now one of a double and maybe a triple hoax. One might become curious as the U.S. repeatedly claiming the Russian troops and agents were the tip of the spear on the eastern Ukraine civic building takeovers. Why? Because day after day the charges went on and on without any proof being put on the table. Now, mind you... Now, mind you, this is after we had several big intercept releases, which we assume were from Russian intelligence, starting with Victoria Nuland and her potty mouth, discussing who was going to be in the post-coup government in Kiev. This is the same Miss Nettle man that was shoehorned into a top-level State Department job some years ago with only four years of college and no diplomatic experience. Can you imagine? It's the kind of placement that would catch the eye of counterintelligence people, of someone being planted. Oh, sorry. I've got to get the rest of it. Of someone being planted, period. What made her position so strange is that she started as an assistant to Dick Cheney, so her qualifications were family and Israeli lobby political connections. That she was kept over from the bush thugs by Obama is still mind-boggling when all the neocons should have been cleaned out in the first day. And then we had the EU's Catherine Ashton and the Latvia foreign minister talking about the maiden tooth killings and how everyone knew who had done it and how nonchalant Ashton was about the news. Those were major intelligence coups by the Russians to use on your YouTube to stake out who the really aggressors were in the Ukraine. The West had their controlled media to help them publicize the endless charges using the old tactics of offense is the best defense. Accuse your opponent with what you are doing because she said, because who said it first always stays imprinted in the public mind. But now we were expecting some payback from the NSA and the CIA via releasing some intercepts of their own to show the Russians being caught red-handed. Oh, so anyway. So there's a patent of this. It's a very long article. If you're interested in it, um, go to davidike.com. African race riot rocks Israel. Black men and women are beaten. Now, it, the reason I'm bringing this up is because in in so many countries in Africa right now, these these workers are being beaten. 
his work as a being enslaved, but in the Israel, okay, in Israel, these black men are are most of them are are, are uh, um, there's an apartheid there. They won't allow them in society, uh-huh. you know, and and uh, they're getting ticked off. And I mean, it's just at a time when uh, you know uh, Sterling of the Coopers is announcing that he dislikes. Uh, that all that that uh, he doesn't want to associate with blacks, right? And uh, the, the Zionist word is, you know, they're you know, blacks are inferior, you know, basically. Uh, so are whites. Anybody that's not a, a Jew is a goyim, all right? And you know, is uh, worth less than a human being. That is in the the, Tam, the Talmud. I mean, that is their religion, folks. So it's like kind of weird. But you know, what's happening there? is the violent anti-African race riot rocks Israel. And I think this is interesting because Israel has created another group that hates them. You know? Mm. Isn't that interesting? I mean, why does everybody hate Jews out there? You know, why are the Africans and the Muslims and the, you know, everybody? You know, so it's like, because they're such a, they're just such a belligerent bunch of folks, you know? They're always stepping on people's toes, and, you know? And now they're uh, they're causing race uh, issues in in their own country. And it's just I, I guess it's just the hypocrisy, folks, that that kills me about about this this issue. But here, a violent surge in the streets of Tel Aviv is a thousand strong.
Knesset member Murray Regev, who participated in the march and said the Sudanese were a cancer in our body. Um, I mean, these are these are prominent uh, Jewish Zionist leaders, and the protesters were backed by uh, who participated in the march, right? Um, but it said Sudanese were a cancer. But the in our body, and the protesters complained about Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu handling of the asylum seekers problem, and some even carrying banners to support this in support of Interior Minister Eli Yisha. Yisha had called for the detention and expulsion of all asylum seekers earlier this week. Interviewing Interior Minister Eli Yisha. Uh, Israeli Army Radio likened the violence to pogrom, pro, uh, pogrom attacks on Jews in the 19th century Europe. Well, Yishi retorted by saying Sudanese and Eritrean migrants were responsible for a rise in crime. He said, I cannot judge a man whose daughters get raped. I cannot judge a man, uh, a young woman who cannot walk home, uh, said Yishi. And he says, I cannot understand any circumstance judge people uh, who get abused and harmed and who are then confronted by the same state, uh, which says, why do you behave this way to the foreigners? To protest, the, uh, the protest came at last week uh, as, Israeli, as, a, as a, an Israeli man was charged with arson after he threw seven Molotov cocktails at the homes of African migrants. Pretty damn sick. Yeah. You know? Oh, God. It's pretty sick. This is a little... That's the fire that the Israelis uh, started on that against the migrants. serious hatred going on in that country, folks. A lot of hatred. And it's not, and it's not by the people, you know, it's, it's by the government. Uh-huh. And by the people that, you know, of the Israeli people. So it's really, really a, a ridiculous, ridiculous system. And it has to be, we can't, we're, we should not be tolerating this as, as a country. And this, this country should definitely not be allied with Israel. It's horrible.
National Cancer Day, but uh, sorry, folks. Um, <laughs> I like I like this. I don't know if anybody has a cat um, and a dog. Um, there's, a, there's a picture sent to me today uh, by a friend, and uh, it's, a, it's a cat laughing hysterically. And it says, "I told the dog where there there were Tootsie Rolls." In the litter box. Uh-huh. If you have a dog, sometimes they do have a tendency to, to do that. Um, eat the cat litter. You know, eat the cat, whatever. <laughs> I, I thought I'd lighten it up with a little humor there, but it's very, very little humor. So anyway. Thank you.